I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc. All one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today, my guest is the hilarious Jasmine Pierce. Jasmine is someone that I met my freshman year at NYU. She's continued to study acting, but after moving on from college, she went into the stand-up circuit and started hitting open mics. For years, I watched her crush the open mic circuit, and then she found herself with a job offer in the writer's room at The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. After succeeding there for over a year, she is currently in the writer's room at Saturday Night Live. This episode is so special in understanding what it takes to survive in the comedy circuit. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Here it is. Jasmine Pierce, welcome to An Actor Despairs. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Of course, this is fun. It's hard to believe that I met you 12 years ago at NYU, wow. which I don't want to put words in your mouth, but at a time, I think we, we both weren't really big fans of Strasbourg. Were Mm-mm. you? Uh, no, I mean, it's hard because I, I stayed there the whole time. I worked there too. So I have a complicated relationship, yeah. I think. Well, me too. I just hated it. Yeah. But <laughs> you went in the comedy circuit after that, and then yeah. you did stand up for a really long time, and then you were at UCB, yeah. and then eventually ended up as a writer on The Tonight Show for a like a year or two, right? Year, year and a half. Year and a half. And now you're at SNL. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. amazing. How does that feel? <laughs> it's been crazy. Yeah, I bet it has. It sounds about as intense as the way you just described it. <laughs> yeah. Well, usually I like to start at the beginning. You grew up in Ohio, right? Yeah, Cincinnati. Talk to me about that. I was born in Virginia on a Navy base. Wait, but... in Norfolk? Yeah. Oh, I'm from Richmond. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Wait, wait, I was wait. born on in Portsmouth. Yeah, that's like right outside, suburb of Norfolk. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I was, uh, my parents were both in the Navy. Wow. So then your childhood, were you hopping around with them? No, because my, my mom moved back to Ohio and left the Navy when she had me and my dad stayed in Virginia. They weren't together, so... So your child of divorce. I hopped back and forth. No, they were they weren't dating. <laughs> they were never married. Yeah, it's complicated. They they're very good friends. Okay. And um, yeah, they uh, they were separate. So I was hopping back and forth between their houses, but not moving all we're the time. Kind of like a week to week thing. 
Not even that. Like I, I spent most of the time with my mom and then I would go to my dad for like a week or two at a time whenever. It was good though because they never dated so they wouldn't fight over when one of them got to see so me. So they were civil. Yeah, they, oh. they're they friends still. So it was just like my dad be like, hey, I'm, I have free time now. Could you send her? And be like, yeah, sure. See, I'm like a child divorced, but my parents fought. Do you feel like you had an idea of like, you know, because you meet kids and their parents are together. Did that haunt you in a way like yeah not really i think my mom said that i asked a couple questions when i was younger about like why they're not together but i don't remember it ever bothering me i think aside from having like the perfect family together yeah like thing that doesn't is kind of unrealistic (laughs) in general totally um thing i think aside from that i had the best situation because my parents never fought i mean they never had issues they were just like they're good they're still like when I got SNL and stuff, they call each other and they're oh, like, amazing. Yeah, we're so proud of our daughter and they get to be friends about it. <laughs> and Cincinnati, like, what's that like? I've, I've been there. I know that can be a, a pretty uh, rough, you know. Yeah, it's it, it's got its up and downs too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was different. It was really different when I was there than what it is now. It gentrified like the second Meaning I Meaning it's better now. Um, it depends on your definition of better. Got it's it. nicer. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, I think, safer. But yeah. um, when I was there, I went to a performing arts school in Cincinnati, um, School for Creative and Performing Arts. So talk to me, where did, where did the artistic bug come from? Uh, my mom forced me into art school because I was really hyper. <laughs> wow. I was in Catholic school. I went to a Catholic school that my mom also went to, and I think she didn't like it, so she didn't want me to stay there. The religion part, or just didn't like the school? All of it, All I think, of it. Yeah. Um, and didn't want to like Did, have me in this very rigid, like, rigid environment yeah. that she didn't really respond to, so she was always kind of looking for other places for me and... I was a really creative kid. I had a lot of energy. I was always kind of performing and forcing other people to perform with me, like my friends and stuff. So I think she just saw that route. I didn't, I don't think I expressed like I want to be an actor because I didn't know that was a thing. Totally. And she had me audition for an arts, the art school and I got in and um, I wanted to be a visual art major, actually. I like drawing a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my mom sat me down with the principal. And he, after like five minutes, he was like, yeah, she should be in drama. No way. <laughs> yeah. So I was in drama and art and creative writing at the beginning. And do you feel like when you got to that school, you really thrived and opened up or was it? Yeah, yeah. it was definitely better. Yeah. I mean, that was like the best time of my That was a fourth through 12th grade school. It's wow. now through kindergarten, I think. Um, K through 12? Yeah, now it is. Wow. But at the time it was fourth grade. So I got there in fourth grade and I stayed through 12th grade. And it's just, it's the best. I I was very disappointed when I got to college and was like, oh, college was supposed to be more fun than high school, but it wasn't. It wasn't, me. no Mm-mm, way. Not at all. <laughs> so we both went to NYU at the same time. Talk yeah. to me about like what it felt like when you got there and you started studying acting. Immediately, did you become disillusioned with it or Um, no it wasn't immediate but it was it was definitely a struggle because I went to the same school for nine years I never had to like make new friends or anything like we had the same people around all the time so it was really hard for me to like transition and be in a new place and I was notoriously very hyper and loud um, when I was younger so I think I was trying to overcompensate when I got to college by being like I'm gonna be like cool I'm gonna be like calm and I'm gonna be chill and people will like me. And then I ended up just being really quiet and yeah. only had a couple of friends for the first few years. I didn't really make a ton of friends. But we were there at a weird time because NYU decided to cut it out. Yes. And it was like very poorly run. Yeah. I, yeah. We, NYU separated us and then, but like kept it 
for you could stay if you wanted to continue. Yeah, it was confusing. And then they yeah, there were like no people there for a couple of years and then it came back. Yeah. When we were older. It was very confusing. Yeah. So while you were there, were you feeling like, okay, I'm going to do acting? Or were you feeling like trying to explore other opportunities? I mean, I had never considered doing anything else. Like, since I got into acting when I was young, I only remember wanting to be an actor. It's all I ever would talk about. There wasn't another option. There was no plan B ever. So um, I, th- I was... I still wanted to do it, but I don't think I was as excited. The environment at NYU was a lot different than my, my art school because my art school was technically a public school. So yeah. it was like a lot of people, diverse backgrounds is much more diverse in every way. And NYU felt very like just it. there were I just was with a lot of like really rich kids that just wanted to be totally. famous. Yeah. And I didn't like that energy. Like that wasn't what I grew up around. So yeah. it was Nepotism. hard for me. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of that. Yeah. And just just in general, I didn't like I didn't really I don't know. I didn't fit Connect. there. Yeah. yeah. And Same. it didn't I feel yeah. like I kind of lost a lot of my creativity. And Strasbourg is the method acting school for people that don't know. And so we were doing method training every day, which is like sometimes two hours of like digging into your deepest traumas yes. like three times a week. So that became kind of um, a lot. A great way to get a Lexapro prescription. <laughs> yeah, something early. I'm planning on talking to my therapist about yeah, tomorrow. Totally. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So then how did the comedy thing happen for you? Well, yeah. Um, near the end of college, like junior year, I was like dealing with some personal stuff and was becoming really disillusioned. And I remember I was doing a scene from Rabbit Hole and yeah. I was playing the mom and I was like folding laundry and it was the first time I ever dissociated on stage. I just like fully was out of my body like kind of watching myself do the moves but had no connection to the story or the character and I was just like had been doing so many like white characters written by old white men in the 50s that I didn't feel any connection with and I think um between that and like what was going on in my personal stuff it was just a lot for me to deal with and I got really depressed for a while and I realized that like I did not connect with acting anymore. It had been my dream for so long and I didn't know what to do if I wasn't going to do that. Like I just wasted so much money on this degree and I was like, I can't quit, but I don't have anything else. I have no other skills. Like I've just been doing this forever. So um, I started, I actually started watching stand up and I watched a lot of Louis CK. Nice. Yeah. And um, still a fan. Uh, mm, <laughs> uh, I watched a lot of George Carlin. Yeah. I just started watching like I watched Sarah Silverman. I was watching Joan Rivers. Like I had just been really getting into comedy and I, I read Steve Martin's book, um, Born Standing Up. Yeah. And that was like one of the first times that I was like really connected with the thought process of another person. And it made me realize that like, I, I felt like comedians were finally the people that understood me. George Carlin did this interview that I should find, I forget what it was called, but he talked about how he feels about comedy in the world. And it was just the first time that it felt like someone was talking to me. And I realized that I was so much more connected to that than when I listened to actors talk about their craft. And I didn't know that comedy was an option. I didn't know that that was its own career. I thought comedy was like half of drama in, you know, television. I didn't realize that like, there were comedians that did their whole thing. I knew what SNL was, but I hadn't, I didn't watch it a ton growing up. I wasn't exposed to it. Yeah. Um, I started watching in college and like became really obsessed with all of that. And it just kind of spiraled from there. And I pretty much 
stopped acting like close to right when we got out of college. I did auditions, but I hated them. And I didn't really commit that hard because I didn't like it. And then I was just like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then once I was doing stand up, it really connected. I actually did UCB first. Well, I did start writing sketch stuff. Yeah, because when I took sketch class, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it was just a writing class. And I was just like, guided you to do that? Um, I don't think anyone did. I think I just heard a lot of people talking about comedy and UCB. It was like pretty famous. And I took class and my teacher was Melinda Taub, who's the head writer at Samantha B now. Um, She wasn't then, obviously. She was a UCB teacher, but she was um, so helpful and supportive of me and really um, taught me so much. And then I took her 201 class and was pretty much hooked after that. She and and went all the way through UCB and during that time Every also started stand up. Yeah, I did the four levels. I did an advanced class. I think I did an elective class, um, which you don't need to do. Um, and then got on mod, wow. but I didn't get on mod for like four years. I think that's a team. Yeah, the yeah. the house teams are the sketch house teams are the mod team, and that's the last step in UCV. Right? Well, the mod teams people often go to the weekend teams too, and they have like full show. Like their teams will have their own shows and stuff. Um, and there's other they do. Tra- there's traveling teams too, but mod was like a big. It is one of the bigger like steps to get to well, for UCB. It was good. And while you were at UCB, were you loving it? Like, was it fulfilling everything that you missed about high school? Um, I wouldn't say that. I did like it a lot. I really liked writing and it was the first time that I was really connecting to comedy on a writing level um, and hadn't really done that at all before. And I, but I didn't really get in the community. Like I, I was not, rich i didn't have money so i couldn't take classes back to back so like i would take one class and then take the next class like a year later um so i wasn't like staying involved in the community very much which was my own fault but it just like happened to happen have happened to happen that way yeah um and yeah i think it definitely once i got into mod felt more like a community like i'm obsessed with my team and i loved everyone that i was working with but you're still like isolated within your team and i'm just not good i'm just not comfortable socially very much like i've always struggled a little bit with being comfortable in like huge group settings and you know a lot of loud people and energy and that's all that comedy is so i would go out sometimes but i can't there's like some people that go out every night and are at every show and i don't have the stamina for that wow um, I wish that I did. <laughs> and then how did how did the stand-up thing happen? Well, I started stand-up pretty soon after I started Sketch. Um, I, I just had never... I never knew that people could do that. I remember watching Last Comic Standing in high school and being like, like, that's awesome. But like, I could never... Yeah. Do, what do you... You just say sentences and now what... How does that even work? It totally. didn't make any sense to me. Um, but once I started watching it and reading a lot of stand-up memoirs, I got really obsessed with it and I decided to take a class and I took two classes at the same time. Um, and each class ended with a show. So it forces you to get on stage and now you have new material. And then I just took that. I started doing bringer shows for a while, which um, sucks, but work. What, what is that? It's where you have to bring like a certain oh, amount of people. Like what the comedy store in LA does and they have to yes. buy five drinks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's usually two drink minimum yeah. and you have to bring like five or 10 people and it's exhausting and yeah, it's hard. You're a promoter pretty much at yeah. that point. Yeah. It was good because a couple of the shows, like I had a lot of friends 
who were supportive at the beginning and wanted to see me do stand up. So like I did, I brought like 22 people to one of the shows, but then after that, like they all start, we're not, we're not going to come to every show. Yeah, it's like $75. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, I just started doing bringer shows. I started going to open mics, but again, like my social anxiety was tough. It's tough at open mics. I'm amazed. Like I'm to this, I've always wanted to try comedy, but the idea of getting up there and doing it is like, it's so scary to me. Cause like bombing isn't a matter of like, if it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Eventually it'll happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's scary for sure. But I, I tried to stay in environments that made me more comfortable at the beginning. Like there was an all female mic hosted by Sue Smith and Anna Dresden at, um, UCB. And I went to that and met a lot of women there. So I like made more, more friends and comedy and stuff. And we were safe with each other so we could go out and like do more mics together, which was better. But, um, I just, started doing a lot of shows and then you know the more shows you do the more people will book you on your shows and you get a tape and um it pretty much just took off from there and one of the things i talk about a lot on this podcast is like finding your voice i don't think i found my acting voice until like after dropping out of school and becoming yeah. an alcoholic and drug addict <laughs> and just living a crazy sometimes it takes that <laughs> yeah totally but like you know in comedy you found your voice what do you think like where was the switching mechanism of like when you found like oh this is this is how I can like do my platform and get well, I think there were there were a couple ways that my platform was definitely reductress, which is an online satire website that I wrote for. It's like the onion for women's magazine. Yeah. Um, and I started writing there offhand. Like one of my friends was like, I'm going to write a bunch of reductress pitches. And this was back when anyone could pitch to them. So I was like, all right, I guess I will, too. And I got one in and then I was like immediately addicted. And I was like, and they hired more. You? Um, no, they didn't hire me for years. Wow. <laughs> they, they have a very small staff. So so there wasn't they're not as there was like nowhere the to hire not something. at all yeah, yeah it's yeah. it was literally like three or four women in a room a day wow. um but at the time i think there were only three people working there at all the two founders and anna and um I just really quickly became really obsessed with that. It gave me a lot of structure, which helped. And there was like a day, like you pit, you had to pitch every day by Monday or every week by Monday. So it was like, gave me a lot of structure to keep writing and trying different things, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't. And I started finding like my satire voice through that. And then my real moment of finding my comedy voice is I had like a really bad breakup with a terrible person and I got really mad and started tweeting and, um, a lot of women were really connecting to what I was tweeting and it was just general breakup stuff. Like I wasn't really trying to like bash any, it was just like jokes. Um, but I, a lot of people were like, Oh my God, I need to hear this. Or I totally felt the same way or I'm going through the same thing. And that was the first time that I felt like women especially were really connecting to what I was saying. And reductress was the same where like, if you got a really good reductress article, there's women in the comments like, Oh my God, drag me like wow. this is my diary. Didn't we just talk about this yesterday? And that was where I first started being like, Oh, I, I, this is something that I feel I can do is like connect on a relatable level, especially to women, especially at that time. And it kind of, um, that's where I learned how to do that 
And then after a while, it kind of could just expand it to other things. And then eventually, did they take you on full time? Yeah, not full time. They still, um, they still, the staff is really small, but they took me on part time for um, a year before I got the Tonight Show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, And then talk to me about that, because I remember we met up a little, like a year ago, just to catch up. Yeah. And you were telling me someone from the Tonight Show reached out to you via Facebook, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I, um, I had, I didn't have a website at the time, or I think my website was down or something and they didn't it wasn't like well known I had um, agents but I didn't like there was nowhere online that yeah. said I had agents so no one knew how to reach out to my agent so the only place they could find me was on Facebook um, so they mess it yeah they DM'd me to and submit. you thought it was yeah. fake right <laughs> uh, yeah totally <laughs> yeah I was like for sure this is a lie like nothing this doesn't make any sense um, and then yeah I submitted a packet and did an interview and did all of that and got the job and how was that experience um, surreal real real great very probably but one of the most intense experiences was, was working for Jimmy Fallon fun. Oh, or? getting it, wait, getting it or being all, there? Of all of it. I guess getting. it's all yeah, pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Getting it was crazy. It was really shocking. And what was the process like for those who are interested in maybe pursuing that? Like you did the stand up thing, you were for an online publication, yeah. you got some traction in an audience. They contacted you, and then what is that process like to to get hired as a writer? Um, well, you know, the process for comedy writing is different always. Like, there's some people that get hired because they know they're friends with the people that work there. There's some people that get hired and have to go through, like, 12 packet processes before they get to that point. So it's always different. Um, for me, it was pretty standard. Like, um, I submitted my packet, didn't hear back from them for, like, a week, panicked. Um, then they asked for me to come in for an interview went in for the interview panicked was um, jimmy there yeah jimmy was there wow yeah and, and i didn't what, know what, if he was what did they be ask there. you at interview for um they didn't ask me much i feel like it was more a lot of comedy writing interviews are more like getting to know you to make sure you're not crazy yeah. type things because they already read your packet like they know you're not gonna they're not gonna probably ask you to pitch anything in the room so totally. it's not to prove that you can do the job um it was mostly like a fun hang like it was um, Jimmy and then a few of my producers, and it was just me and a bunch of guys, and <laughs> they were say they were just having fun. And Jimmy asked me where I was from. We talked about Cincinnati skyline chili. Uh, he showed me this hot dog thing that they were going to do on the show. No like, way. yeah, it was fun. And I was just I was just in there like, okay, don't panic, talk because a lot of the mistake with comedy writing, I think one mistake people make is not talking enough, not like pitching enough or saying right. jokes just to like you know. Did he ask you about ideas funny. that you had or Um no, that was mostly in the packet already. I think it was more it was more just like a who are you, where are you from, how'd you get to this point kind of thing. And it was it was nice. It was fun. And did you walk out of that meeting knowing that you got it? No, I didn't he didn't say it directly. Um and I it's felt kind of implied, but I wasn't sure. And then um my uh supervising produ- uh, writer ended up texting me later that day. Wow. And told me, yeah. And then I was just I was like eating alone. <laughs> and when, <laughs> when you I got, got that it. text, were you, how did that feel? Well, he said he spelled congratulations wrong. So I was like, are you sure? Like, I don't, yeah. I just, I texted, I think I texted him probably four times. Like, are you sure? Cause I need to go like quit my job. Cause they were asking, I got hired on Wednesday and they, I wanted me to come in on Monday. So I was like, I have to go quit my job. Like I need to call my parents. I have to do so much stuff. I just kept being like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. Are you positive? Um, don't. And- 
me over. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't want to tell everyone that I got the Tonight Show and yeah. then have to lie. <laughs> and how does that go from, you know, writing for yourself as a stand-up artist to then having to kind of channel your voice to someone else's it's definitely a challenge i mean i had the benefit of like i did do a lot of stand-up and reductress is basically just me uh retelling my life in funnier ways but um for sketch stuff i was on the mod team and had been writing for my performers for a long time so it's so if you had you, some familiarity with kind of writing jokes for yeah others. and it's definitely different because at mod you have six performers so you have you know people of diverse backgrounds and different voices and whereas at the tonight show it's mostly jimmy and then sometimes like a celebrity that you're writing for so um it's it is kind of like trickier to you really have to figure out know the voice like i watched so much tonight show i watched a bunch of jimmy's old snl stuff i just like watched anything yeah. that i could where he was talking just so i can hear like the tone of his voice and and how it sounds when he delivers jokes and what kind of jokes he likes and what he really laughs at and all that stuff so um it just takes a lot of like research and i know every room can vary you know conan's room is probably different than colbert's and Fallon's room. Sure. yeah do you feel like when you were in that room especially being new was it like were you thrown to the wolves? You know, were you scared to kind of like pitch jokes? Did you kind of let the senior staff members do it? Or did you did you dive in and was I it mean, very welcoming? I'm always scared to pitch jokes. I have to go pitch jokes later today and I'm yeah. scared. Um, but I think it was really supportive when I first got there. They were pretty nice about like explaining what was going to happen and how it was going to work. But yeah, you do have to just kind of get in there and, and jump in and you know, dive in head first and just hope you don't hit the bottom because, <laughs> totally. you know, you never, you don't really know, but you just kind of want to prove yourself and you want to like pitch as much as possible. Um, the Tonight Show is not much of a room per se. Like we, the writers also produce our bits, which not all the shows do. So we are running around all day doing a lot of different things, including writing, but also, you know, we have to run to all the different departments and, you know, talk to celebrities when they come and we have to do a lot of other stuff. So there's not a lot of time for all of us to be sitting in a room. Wow. We usually would have like a pitch meeting in the morning where we were all together. But And then how is it writing for celebrities? Is that tough? Because I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of egos involved without naming names. Yeah, it and depends like, on the celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is it it kind of depends. Uh, you gauge them and you know what they're, they might be into and they might not be. Yeah, you definitely have to like be careful of like what... Their, who their exes are and stuff. Oh, right. I won't name names, but I did pitch a joke to a celebrity who I forgot had just broken I, broken up with someone who was in the joke that I pitched and the rep came up later and was like, hey, can we cut that last joke? And I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so there's stuff like that where yeah. you don't really know what's going on. But um, for the most part, a lot of celebrities are really on board for stuff. And um, when they're coming to these shows, they're really excited. It's definitely different for like Tonight Show versus SNL because Tonight Show, it's usually like it's going to be one thing. Yeah. It's sometimes a really small thing that they're doing a very easy, simple game or something. Yeah. So those are easier. Whereas like at SNL, they're there all week and they're very committed to like what's going on. So they're, you know, much more focused wow. um, on what's going on. Sometimes people come to the Tonight Show and be like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's amazing. That's the easiest. Those are the fun and, ones. And what is that like, you know, a 40, 50 hour week working on the Tonight Show? Yeah, we worked like 12 hour days every day. And we... When I first got there, we were working five days a week, and then it changed to four days a week, but we double taped on Thursdays. So Thursdays, we would go even later, past wow. 12 hours. Um, and then if you have like tapes to edit or th shoots or something, it would go later than that. And were you still doing stand-up at all while you were on The Tonight Show? Or did, Not did, as much. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I think everyone's different. I am easily exhausted. <laughs> I think yeah. I've made that pretty clear. So it was hard for sure, especially with our schedule there. It's really hard to like go out all night. There were some people like Dan Chamberlain and Joe Firestone would do a lot of stand up. Um, and then sometimes they would be really tired. The yeah, next day. Totally, yeah. <laughs> and I would be wide awake, yeah. but I have accomplished nothing. So <laughs> before we dig in the transition to SNL, I'm curious to talk to you about as a comedian, you know, yeah. in the last few years, obviously, like with Me Too, and, you know, things getting leaning towards more political correctness. How do you think that has affected the comedy world? Because, you know, like, for example, we can go back to old Eddie Murphy specials where, like, some of his jokes were very homophobic and no. things that didn't age well, <laughs> you know what I mean? And do you feel like the PC environment has, you know, comedians started getting scared of of writing certain jokes and crossing lines? Or do you think it didn't really affect people that had voices were confident in their voices. I think it probably affects most people. I think that there's a lot of comedians who don't care and will push even further now because of what's going on or want to talk about it. But I think there's also a degree to which there's always taboo subjects that we're not allowed to talk about at some point. We're getting a little pickier with like exact wording and stuff. But I also think that like, Comedy is supposed to reflect the culture, and that's where the culture is at. And um, you can make jokes about what you're you are and aren't allowed to say. Like yeah. I did that recently. Like you can make more humor out of what people's taboos are and stuff. So I don't think that it it doesn't bother me in particular because most of the things that people are worried about are things that I'm happy to oblige with. Like yeah. I don't want anyone watching my humor to feel personally hurt by it or isolated by it. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of humor to be found in what we're being too particular about. Cause I do, I was very much like on the internet finding my voice by screaming about how much I hate men, which yeah. I still do sometimes. Yeah. But now that, all of this me too stuff is happening and Trump and everything has changed. I, I found more nuance in my arguments because it's just not, it's not as fun for me to just vaguely be hating men anymore because it doesn't feel like we're really, it doesn't feel like the right target or anymore. moving the dialogue forward. Yeah. yeah. It just, I think it can advance what you're doing if you're thinking about it more. And I think that there's plenty, it's everyone's justified in their feelings. Like a lot of comedians are sick of it. I think it's more, I think that people are less tired of not being allowed to say what they say than they, but and more tired of just like hearing people talk about it. Like right. I just don't, I don't care. I don't want to, I don't want to have conversations about this anymore. We get it. Like there's things we can't say, but I'm just kind of tired of people complaining about it. And I think in general, it hasn't been that bad. And I think that eventually the pendulum will swing in the other direction and things will change again. And we'll yeah, have something else to complain about. Yeah. yeah. And do you feel like by the time of the end of your tenure at the tonight show, you felt super confident in your craft and that you could, you know, not saying you wanted to be a staff writer forever, but that you could do it anywhere else? Or did, um, did you feel kind of just burnt out? Like you wanted to go back and do your thing? A little bit of both. Yeah. Um, it was definitely burnt out. I think any of these jobs, like you, you're going to get burnt out. It's yeah. exhausting. Because a lot of people like end up taking the job and then they end up being there for 25 years. Yeah. And, and it, they're burnt out staying there. And right. I'm burnt out and I was burnt out while I was there. I was burnt out after I left. I'm burnt out still. Like it's, it's, these jobs are exhausting, but, um, exhausting in a way that I find really fulfilling. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think when I left, 
left the Tonight Show, it was I felt that I had kind of done what I thought I was going to accomplish there and was ready to move on to like some different challenge. Um, and that that's where I was mentally. And I do. I think I think, you know, the confidence thing goes back and forth every day. Yeah. <laughs> like some days I'm like, I could do anything. And some days I'm like, I can't do anything. <laughs> and then talk to me after leaving the Tonight Show. I know originally you had a script that you were you were working on or developing. Yeah, did you have a pilot. Conver- conversation with your team? Like, were were they trying to get you on other shows or? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had you know uh, I have a great team, and I, I switched agents at that time, and and had my manager Tova Silberman, who's amazing, and um, all of everyone that I was working with was like you know finding packets, and I left at a good time too because it was right before pilot season, so stuff started picking up. Wow. Um, and yeah, we would have meetings, we would have calls. You know, they were sending me packets of pretty much anything they could find. Um, I turned down a job that was in LA. Uh, Just because you didn't want to relocate or? Yeah, God, no, I don't want to. Um, But that wasn't just the only reason, but it was part of it. It was there. I was like being asked to move very quickly and it was like just, it was complicated. So it just didn't feel like the right move for me. And um, I ended up staying here. I was unemployed for like four or five months though. So it was, it did get a little scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, it's hard in this business. Like sometimes you are just unemployed for a long time. That's why they pay us so much. (laughs) Welcome to my podcast. (laughs) So then how did Saturday Night Live come your way? Um, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I think I I did a packet and they read it. They liked it. I have um, you have some you know, friends, there. friends there. Yeah. yeah. So I think Both performers I, uh, and writers. Right? Yeah. And I think that I you know got probably recommended by by one of the writers there. Or I did get recommended by one of the writers there. And um, is that would that be Sudi Green? Anna. Anna. Dresden, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, they. Anna texted me and said they were going to call me in for an interview. And I came the closest I've ever come to having an immediate panic attack. Like, oh, like really just because it was SNL. Yeah. I just like read the text message and was like, uh, and like stood up in my apartment and couldn't breathe and and didn't know what to do. And, um, spent the weekend panicking and, um, came, went in for my interview, uh, on a Tuesday and was just ner- nervous without being able to speak to anyone. I didn't tell anyone that I was interviewing. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell oh. Taryn. I didn't tell anyone. Um, I was just too anxious about it. Because <laughs> we've seen a lot of, you know, like even Jim Carrey and Kevin Hart, they all auditioned and didn't get on yeah. as performers. Can you talk about the difference between like what what is the audition process for writing for SNL. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I only really know how I got it. I don't know how it works for everyone. Um, I don't think it's the same for... I don't think like... Well, first of all, some some writers are performers that auditioned and they took them as as, as writers. writers. Yeah, that happens. Um, you did not audition. I did not audition. No. Oh God, I can't. Uh, every time I think, of, I don't know how people do that. Yeah. When people are like, I don't know how you do stand up. I'm like, I don't know how you audition for SNL. I would. That's so scary. Yeah, I think I would, yeah. people are so strong. Need ten Xanax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just. Oh. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um. But yeah, I. I think it's different for a lot of people. I think some people get recommended. I think some people have strong packets. Um, I think that... Did you meet with Lorne in that meeting? No, I didn't meet with Lorne. Wow. Um, I met with like... I uh, had like producers and stuff and Che and, and 
uh, head writer and that. So, wow. and then I met with the supervising writers too. I met with like eight people. <laughs> so it, that was all one meeting or was it, was it two, series? Two separate meetings. Wow. Yeah. And then you got an offer. Yeah. I got the call later that night and, and just like kind of, uh, really. Oh my <laughs> there's, God. There's Anna or Taryn was there and she took pictures of me. I was like, I had, I was sitting on the floor cause I stood up when I got the call cause I was scared. And then I was like, I can't be standing. Yeah. And I slid down the wall. And was that, that, I mean, that had, I mean, not to, you know, belittle Jimmy Fallon, but that had to be <laughs> the most like insane phone call ever. Yeah. That one was anyone who's ever had an interest in performing. Can't not like Saturday night live, you know, it's so iconic institution. Yeah. yeah. It was real. Um, it was, yeah, it was one of the first times I've ever been speechless. Like, I had to call my parents. I had to go. They were, a bunch of the writers were having, like, drinks and stuff that night, and I got invited to go there. So yeah. I had to, like, go back downtown, and I wasn't dressed, and I wasn't ready, and I had to call my parents, and I was just like, I, I, I gotta I, I gotta go. Like, I couldn't talk, and then I called my mom, and I was, like, trying to do a bit where I was, like, making her guess, and then I was like, I can't, like, I'm not stable enough mentally to yeah. pull this off right now, and I just told her, and she's excited. I called my dad, and I it was just, um, it was, yeah, really, really crazy and very fast. All It was the same turnaround. Like, I got hired on Tuesday and was in on Monday. Wow. So it was, um, uh, yeah, really intense. And then I had a weekend of, like, not being able to tell anyone yet. Oh, because that had to be top secret? <laughs> oh, it didn't have to be top yeah. secret, but they hadn't announced it yet. And I just didn't feel like, you know, I didn't want to announce it before I even started. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't announce it until after the first show that I did. So. How long have you been there now? When when were you Just hired? this season. So um, since September. Wow. And, what, and their seasons are like eight out of 12 months a year? Or? Yeah, it's September, like late September through May. Wow. I think it's like 21 episodes usually or 20. And. On. You know, James Franco did a documentary on his experience there, yeah. which I thought was really interesting for any civilians that don't know how it works. Yeah. But essentially, could you break down between like Monday to taping the mm-hmm. process of what happens on the writing side for SNL? Um, on the writing side, Monday today is pitch. So we're going to go into Lauren's office and pitch to the host, who's Adam Driver today. Yeah. Um, we all just like crowd in the office and sit on the floor at, with the cast and producers and stuff. And, and numerically, are there a lot more writers on SNL than there were on Fallon? Or um, I don't know. I think there are more, but I don't think there's a lot more. It's it wavers on both shows between like twelve and twenty. I think at any given time, some somewhere around there. So it's about the same. Got it. But um, I think there's probably a few more. Um, so we just we just do like one joke pitch to the guests. It's just like a warm up. And does get everyone. everyone have to pitch? Yeah. And is that terrifying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. It's terrifying. Because you never know now. how they're going to react, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's good because it's, it's technically low pressure, but it feels high pressure because you're in the room and you're in Lauren's office and like you're all, we're all scrunched in together and stuff. It's the first time you're talking to the host. So, yeah. but it's not like that is not the only thing you're going to write. It's not, you might not even end up writing your pitch. So it, it doesn't really affect a lot but it does feel very scary and is everyone like is it is it gun throat like everyone's pitching their own or do people come together and like you know we you pitch... and a few other writers have an idea for a sketch and you pitch it together or we do, you... do that later but for pitch it's just everyone says one thing it's just like trying to make the room laugh kind of wow. we're all bonding but you know? is, it, is, is it clicky like can you get like, a lot of dead air 
Um, I don't think it's necessarily clicky. I think you, if you get dead air, it's because your joke wasn't funny. I yeah, don't think it's I, because like, like you're not friends with the person. I was listening to Zach Galifianakis, and he was talking about during his pitch, like he had this what he thought was hilarious. Yeah, and I think Tina Fey was still writing at the time, and he like wrote. I can't remember who the joke was for, uh-huh. and he said it, it just got nothing. Yeah, and then at the end, Tina Fey came on and said, "Hang in there, buddy." You yeah, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's there a lot of times famous like people that. didn't you know work out for so how do you yeah. how did you find your because you had friends there you felt comfortable you felt like or? um i you know comfortable is a strong word i think uh it's it's such a big you know notorious historic iconic thing that i don't know if anyone ever fully feels comfortable um but i yeah even bill Hader talked about how he always thought he was like on the chopping block yeah yeah i definitely feel better just on a day-to-day basis it feels nice to have people around that i know and you know a couple of people i went to college with and chloe and i become really close because we share an office together so i feel more comfortable um like physically just being there but that doesn't change the stress and pressure of like when you're actually writing and going to table read and all of that so it can and still are be the cast members pitching jokes with the writers as well yeah cast writes their own sketches and they pitch during pitch and stuff so, so. the cast writes as well yeah wow yeah that's so crazy yeah so and then what happens like then the the host or lorn gets final say on what's going to move forward yeah, that happens on Wednesday. So Tuesday's writing night. It's the night most people know about that we all like spend people spend the night. I haven't spent the night yet, but to, a lot of the supervisors do and stuff. Um, but we stay there till like 4am usually and we write all day and we can kind of collaborate in any combination of people that we want. We yeah. can work with cast, work with other writers, work in groups, work alone. Um, and then in the morning... We submit all of our sketches. They choose which most of the sketches go to the table read. Um, they, they're all read at table in two sections. It takes like hours. On a Wednesday? Yeah, on Wednesday. Wow. Um, and we're all sleep deprived and terrified. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, exciting. It's scary also. And uh, then... Um, they do the, you know, famous list and, uh, Lauren, they go, they go off and I don't know how it's chosen, (laughs) but yeah, Lauren pretty much has the final say in what is going to go into the rehearsal process. And I imagine the guest is a pretty big pull too on what he wants or she wants yeah. to do. I'm not in the room, so I don't know exactly how it works, but Got I it. think they definitely have like, if, if there's something they're really excited about, it, yeah. it has a better chance. Um, so then, yeah, Wednesday, Lauren picks what's going to go through the rehearsal process. Thursday's rehearsal and we start to block in the studio and like Built we have sets. all these amazing departments like producing stuff overnight that just seems impossible and wow. and you know costumes and stuff and then Friday is more studio rehearsal and taping any shoots so any of the pre-taped videos are all shot on Friday wow I didn't know it was that quick of a yeah, turnaround yeah the poor editors um poor everyone it's, yeah. it's a crazy crazy process yeah. um but from a writing perspective on when on Thursday and Friday we um if you're not 
busy producing your sketch that's like rehearsing. We have tables all day. So we'll do a table for each sketch. So every sketch that goes in, we'll get read between like 10-ish of the writers in two different rooms. And um, we all just try to punch up and add jokes and contribute in any way that we can to make the sketches better uh, with the people that wrote them and usually like the lead cast or whoever's in it. So if one of yours doesn't get picked up, you go to a team and help them refine the one that is going to go? Yeah, it's yeah. Sep- it's separate things. So like if one of mine doesn't get picked up, um, sometimes they'll have the extra writers that don't have anything that week. They'll add them to other sketches to help like produce and stuff. Yeah. That's one thing. And then separately, every sketch goes through a table process of like half of the writers sit at one table and half of us sit at a different table on a different floor. Wow. And we read through the sketch with the writer, whoever wrote it. And then we all like we'll go through page by page and try to punch up all the jokes together Amazing. so that it's like a more of a team effort at that point. But it's still then the the writers who are writing it primarily go off and they'll take whatever notes they liked and got it. and put it in. And, and then changes. Saturday you do one final rehearsal before the live taping, right? Saturday we have a run through so where we kind of like run through everything um or throughout the day so like run throughs will take a lot longer there's sometimes like i don't know half an hour or something you know it's not always um the time that the sketch is actually going to be then we have dress rehearsal at 8 30 so like we get in at 12 30 on saturday but dress is not till 8 30 8 so you guys know. literally <laughs> do tape live Yes. Wow. To tape live. <laughs> Amazing. And is that even like, you know, I don't know, three, four months in now? Five, six? Yeah. <laughs> is it still terrifying Saturday? Just like, or is it thrilling um, when you're there? Well, you know, I'm still new, so I don't get a ton on. So it's usually a little <laughs> bit less stressful for me, but it depends. I mean, I was, you know, I helped produce one of the monologues and it was like a big one. So like days like that, it was yeah, you guys have time... had like Will Ferrell, Eddie Murphy on this yeah, season. I mean, it's been a big what a one. time to be there. So great. Yeah. And, and when you're producing stuff like in between dress and air is very stressful. It's very scary. You have very limited time. You know, at 1130, the show's going on no matter what you do so um you have to like do a lot of stuff and if you're you know i was added as an assistant to one of the monologues but like everyone they added me as an assistant because everyone above me had six other things to do so like everyone was very busy and i had to like keep a lot of the stuff together for some of there was portions of time where it was just me and like everyone else was off doing their thing and i was like oh my god yeah it can be very intense but it's thrilling i love it that's amazing (laughs) so you're loving life right now yeah, pretty, yeah, you know it's um, it's tiring, it's exhausting, it's stressful, but um, overall the this is you know it's an amazing experience to have, and I'm grateful that I get to have it <laughs> totally, and you deserve it. And for the comedians or actors out there that are you know really interested in comedy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. You can't have your end you you know goal just be I only want to be on SNL. Like for people that are really interested in getting into it, would you recommend doing the the UCBs, the pits, like what that are into I, comedy or into SNL? In the comedy, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, what would you recommend if you were starting over and you were giving yourself advice? What would you say to those out there that are like, do I do? Do I spend? Because you know, UCB is expensive. Yeah, I get asked that a lot. Like, is UCB worth it? That one's that one's tough because there's definitely people that have gone through UCB, done everything, that went off and did you know nothing with their comedy and and changed their lives and for better or for worse. Yeah. And there's people that I know that went through there and were wildly successful. So there's no one school. There's no one answer um, to what you should be doing. I think it's important to have a vision for yourself of what you would like to be doing and find spaces that work for you that um, 
will allow you to advance and become stronger in your powers, you know, yeah. whatever that may be. Um, I, I liked mod a lot at UCB because it gave me a lot of structure and it really forces you to write and you, there's a lot of collaboration and you um, learn a lot about the process. And I think that that is important. Um, I liked reductress because there was a lot of structure. So for me, like having a place that requires you to write helps me a lot. Yeah. Um, but I know it's different for everybody. So I've always just been like, you know, focus on finding your voice and focus on the places and the spaces that you can be in that will allow you to do that. It definitely helped me to have a platform, which was mostly reductress, I think is like primarily what I was known for before I was getting real jobs. And um, like that, that helped a lot because people knew me from that and I would repost all my articles. So people like started to get to know my voice and all of that. Totally. And I was on Twitter a lot. So I think it can happen differently for everyone. I think use the tools that are available to you. If you're good at social media, like really lean into that because that's a great way to be seen. A lot of people have gotten a lot of jobs from being funny online. Totally. Um, and if that's not your thing, then find something that is your thing. It's 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 definitely not an easy way. And I didn't know I was going to get yeah. SNL. Yeah, of I didn't course. know I was going to get the Tonight Show. Yeah. Like none of this, I didn't do anything that I did in anticipation that I was going to get to this point. I never even bothered dreaming about SNL because it seems like such a ridiculous, impossible um, job to get, which yeah. is still true. And uh, um, I, so I, I don't think that you have to know exactly what direction you want to go in. But I knew, I knew, but when I was right before I got the tonight show, it had become very clear to me that I wanted a TV writing job. And that was something that a year before I hadn't even like ever considered. Yeah. Um, I made a joke about like MTV once online and someone messaged me and was like, you might not want to like trash talk these networks in case you want to work there. And I was like, I'm never going to work <laughs> yeah. in like a real network. Totally. Like, that seemed so absurd to me. So, um, yeah, it just, I, I think it's just trying to know what you really want to do and going after that and doing as much as you can. Yeah. Um, and I think not working with people you don't want to work with is important. Totally. <laughs> a lot of people make the mistake of like being like, oh, they haven't a lot of credits, but I hate them, but I'll work with them for that. And it doesn't usually pan and out in my experience. Let's say someone doesn't have the money to do UCB or PIP, but yeah. they, they are very interested in doing open mics. How would you, you know, I know it's probably so different now, but like, how did you find out about like what open mics were available? Is there any resources out there? Um, that's to a great question. There was a website when I was first starting, but I don't know if it's still run anymore. And I don't remember what it was called. I honestly don't know. I don't, I haven't done open mics in a while. Um, I, there are resources. There's definitely ways. A lot of like getting into stand up is going to stand up. Like yeah. you'll hear about other people's shows. Like if you're just going and watching shows or meeting the comics afterward, like you'll get the, ex that's like most of it is it's easier to find out about stuff when you're going out. There will be flyers. They'll be promoting their and you shows. You always like, ask like a performer, Hey, do you know of any good yeah, open mics? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of them run open mics. So they might suggest their own or they might know of one that they go to or, you know, there's a lot of different ways. I think like stand up is very social. Yeah. Um, so, and a lot, and definitely like I hear a lot of people that run shows complain that um, people will ask them to do their shows, but had never seen, had never come out and supported the show, but are like, can I get on your show? I have this tape. And it like, it's very frustrating to people. It's like, you, you're not supporting my show, but you want to be on it. So yeah. 
um, going to shows, especially at the Dial beginning, in I think is the most the important. Dial community is mm-hmm. what you're saying. For sure. Amazing. And so, Jasmine Pierce, I am so proud of you. And it's oh, like, it's you. so cool <laughs> to watch you blossom. Outside of SNL, can you give us any clues about what, you know, kind of personal projects you might have in the works? Oh, I have SNL as my yeah. personal project <laughs> right now. Right now, I'm focused on trying to do as well as I can at this job. And, you know, I've had some stand-up shows here and there but um not any coming up at the moment yeah um but yeah i'm i'm pretty much focused on on trying to do the best that i can at this job because i want to i'm i'm all about my tunnel vision and for those that might be very interested in seeing you stand up or you know just following your career what's a good way for people to stay in touch with you um i'm on i'm jasmine pierce on all socials can you spell that out j-a-s-m-i-n-e-p-i-e-r-c-e amazing Jasmine Pierce, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for all to come, and you're an angel, and I I know it's just the beginning for you. Oh, you too. Yeah. (laughs) Rock and roll. (laughs) If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.